Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and our website, BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. We continue our conversations with some of Vancouver's mayoral candidates today. We're asking them over the past few weeks and in the weeks ahead about their platforms and why they're running. We spoke to eight candidates on stage, actually, at our Glacier Media mayoral debate last week. If you search BIV.com slash video, you can watch the two-hour event. We also have a growing number of podcasts at BIV.com slash audio featuring one-on-one interviews with the candidates. BIV hosts a number of events throughout the year, and we have two events coming up that we want to draw your attention to. First, it's the last chance to sign up for our Cannabis Investors Forum this Wednesday, September 26th. Visit BIV.com slash events to learn more. We also have our 2018 Top 100 Fastest Growing Companies Reception on October 4th. This is where we'll celebrate BC's fastest growing companies. Visit BIV.com slash fastest for information. This episode, me and my colleague Tyler Orton speak with Vancouver mayoral candidate Sean Cassidy. You're listening to BIV Today. Sean Cassidy is a Vancouver mayoral candidate running as an independent. He was born and raised in Vancouver and attended Vancouver College in UBC. He's the former senior debt manager and acting deputy treasurer of the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. He's worked for CIBC and RBC. He also worked for Export Development Canada and served as acting trade commissioner for South America in Vancouver for Foreign Affairs and Industry Canada. A lot of experience. He joins us now to talk about his campaign. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Tell us why you've decided to run for mayor of Vancouver. Uh, I want to put a real conversation on the discussion, and I want to bring the, the, the front and center um, discussion is about housing and affordability. And I've watched the issue bubble and bubble and bubble and bubble, and we've got to the point where you know, the conversation has to be brought out in terms of how do we fix this. And we can talk about how we got here. We all have a pretty good idea how we got here, but it's uh, we have to look at the remedies and decisions being made. And I bring a lot of experience to this table. And I've been very active at City Hall on a number of issues in the West End plan, Capital Plan, 105 Kiefer, the downzoning of Chinatown. We were we were the people. Uh, I fought the Skyline fight. That was myself and another person who you're probably very familiar with. Um, that was us, two of us on the Skyline to start. And uh, we got a lot of traction from Saturday to Wednesday. Uh, we had council have to take the poison pill. Mm. Number one issue, of course, is going to be housing. Uh, you have the CMHC backgrounds. Tell us a little bit about how you want to tackle this issue that I think everybody is just getting more and more anxious about right now. You know, it's it's the uh, there's the Canucks and then there's housing in Vancouver, and those are pretty much it. Those are the two issues. And unfortunately, um, uh, perhaps people have focused too much on the Canucks and not really drilled into what's going on in housing. They've just let this happen. So it's been very easy for. Uh, people to basically make money in housing because it's been so speculative in nature. Well, when you've got housing, when you've got income at X and you've got housing at Y, uh, X will never correlate to Y now. So we've got to basically circle back and make some very tough decisions, in my opinion, on how we want to do it. And some of the things that are being put out right now by other candidates, um, nothing makes sense, in my opinion, Okay, because we've got a rising interest rate environment. Uh, You're about to carpet bomb uh, the entire city with duplex housing rezoning that came in last Wednesday with pretty much minimal consultation. Uh, there was a battle at City Hall. You could have brought the uh, Fifth Army in there. Okay. Vision was going to deliver that, okay, and Hector Bremer. And so I came to the table. 
Why is that something that you oppose and in your platform say you would reverse? Um, because it's ridiculous. Okay. Um, we've done enough stupid things in the past. Let's stop it. Okay. So, okay. So we know what you don't like. Tell us right. what you really want to bring about to bring about change here when it comes to this housing conversation. What, what, are, what would be priority number one if you're in City Hall? Okay. First and quick and dirty. How did we get here? Um, and so CMHC, when I was there, we raised my time. We raised, I raised about $10 billion in my, with our team. And uh, we use Lehman Brothers. I dealt, you know, I had the strongest relationship with Lehman Brothers in Canada. Um, CMHC was uh, um, Dave Dodge, who was the Governor of Bank of Canada, was my boss he, at that time. He was the Department of Finance. Um, we won the Deal of the Year, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we financed a lot of social housing in Canada. Harper government came in. There was some budget issues. There was a lot of debt budget issues at the late 90s that we had to basically circle back on. But when Harper came in, he turned it into an insurance corporation. And so BC Housing, we used to on-lend to the provinces. Uh, we would raise the money because we're a AAA credit, and we would on-lend to a lot of the housing agencies throughout Canada. And so we were involved in Indigenous file. I was on numerous housing committees. You know, I talked to HUD, which is the U.S. housing. Um, and so I bring a very strong background. I know the local people. I know with Jane Ramsey, for example, BC Housing, I'm probably going to get over a coffee if, uh, if I can do it. Um, and I worked for a developer as well. I manage property. I worked for Royal Trust, which is part of the Royal Bank. I did construction financing. I did mortgage takeout financing. Uh, I have a very strong finance background. And uh, we need to basically have this dialogue. And so we've been living in a fantasy in the bubbles. It's, we got, we're in a bubble. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. We need a dialogue, but what are some of the policies that you Fantastic want to Fantastic question. Okay. I love that question. <laughs> okay. So we, I spoke to Carol James in May 3rd, I believe, 2017, when she was debating Andrew Weaver. And we had a conversation after for an hour, and I said, we have to basically legislate. Unfortunately, we have to legislate real estate. I would have said that to the liberals. I would have said that to whomever, because the situation is at the point where if we don't, we've got a crisis that's going to basically we can't address. Okay. So they came in with a speculative tax, which- um, it's good and bad. Some points, it's putting lipstick on a pig. Um, my view is out the door, what I would do, and this is the f fastest way to basically address this market and get Canadians, and I really want to work for Canadians, people with, that have got cheap PR, right? We're not about selling real estate to foreigners, okay? And that's what we've done. So any project that's been done, in construction financing, what happens, if, if you come to me, you're a developer, you own that piece of land, you've got the development permit, you come to me, I'm the bank, I'm whomever, and I'll say, oh, okay, show me 35%, 40% pre-sale contracts, and I on-lend you the construction financing, and off you go and you build your project. So the easiest way to have that being done, and the highest margin, is to sell offshore. So who started that? Concord started that in the late 80s, okay? They sold to, uh, through, Richard Lee was president at the time, they sold primarily overnight in Hong Kong. Well, the city of Vancouver was up in arms. The mayor at the time, uh, Phil, I think it was Philip Owen or Balrich, they called Concord in. You're not going to get another development permit if you don't reverse this. So basically what we've come full circle, where every developer, West Bank being the primary culprit of that, and I fought the butterfly issue at Burrard and I think it was Smythe, that building. You know, you're getting 60, 70%, 80%, the Vancouver house. So who owns Vancouver? Are we resort? The pendulum has swung way too far. We need to basically bring back the fundamentals of what a city is, what a CBD, a central district is. And our housing market is for, as I used to say, I did a video for CMHC when we raised our money internationally, housing for Canadians. In your platform, you have a number of specific housing issues, including a foreign buyer's tax on pre-sales, a flipping tax, and a land cap. Can you elaborate on what you envision for these three policies? Um, the real... Uh, analysis here, there's a cost-benefit way off because we can basically continue 
our housing issue. But this housing issue is happening in New Zealand. It's happening in Seattle, San Francisco, New York, Toronto, Dublin. You go through the, you know, people are, like I attended last, I attended the Smart Cities Conference at one period, one point, and everyone's got issues. Every city has issues. We have to, um, cities have to get together and address housing. Seattle is doing it. Uh, Vancouver, we've been kind of ignoring the issue. Uh, planning has been under visions control effectively. Uh, we had a planning director, Brent Tadarian, who was fired. Okay. Um, so he also spoke at the Save the Skyline. We had three former planning directors and the tail has been wagging the dog and it's time for the dog to take control. So uh, on the housing file, we need to basically address construction costs. We need to basically look, dig deep. We need to drill in and say, okay, what are, what are our land costs? What are our construction costs? What are we able to run with here? And how are we going to finance this, this housing? So all my other competitors are talking about you know, massive dumping of housing. They have no clue, okay, what it costs to put in those products and who is going to absorb that. Okay, so people talk about affordable housing. It's very frustrating because affordable housing is now become a narrative slogan. So there is, we used to do what's called social housing at CMHC. And social housing was giving you basically subsidized housing. So that's what the federal government was very good at. Okay, and the land costs were effective. And so you have to be able to, to, to balance those out. We don't want to lose jobs in the city because the industry has created an enormous amount of jobs around itself. So we're really over capacity now, in my opinion. And so if you look at the British Columbia economy, historically, we were at around 15 to 18% of our GDP was something real estate related. So it could be, you know, tradesmen to whatever. We're probably at 40% now. That's high risk. Okay. So we got to circle back and get a full understanding of housing. And then we have to, you know, be real. And I know Gil Kelly. Um, Gil, would, you know, we've had great discussions. Gil knows who I am. The, everyone at City Hall knows who I am. When, when you say get real, I, it also makes me wonder about other platforms that we've seen where, you know, I don't want to say anybody figures they can actually solve this crisis within one term. What do you think is a realistic timeline to get our hands around what's going on here and actually see some like tangible change? For sure. Make sure we're not continuing to see this erosion of the population, the, the people that we do want to be staying in the city. I think it's, it must be, it's extremely frustrating for the millennial generation because let's use an example. When I came out of UBC undergraduate, uh, you know, we had interest rates. Paul Volcker, who was the governor of the Fed at that time, he's the you know, chairman of the Fed. Um, we had enormous inflation, walking it back to the oil crisis under Jimmy Carter, and we had very high interest rates. But those high interest rates required to basically slam inflation. He put the brakes on too hard. Okay, so we're also in a, a huge risk factor because if this goes south on, of us, south on us, we have no remedy. So we had quantitative easing done. We had forward guidance done by the Fed. There's been massive liquidity entered into the system. So how do we go about it? Gently, we have to basically, we can't shock the system here. We can't come in and, you know, just kill housing because we kill our economy now. You know, everything is related. Your paper, if you had a newspaper, if you look at the Georgia Strait, they live off real estate advertising, you know. So it's a, it's a very tricky situation that we have to basically walk it in on. And that's what's being done globally. Don't think that the central bank, Stephen Poland's, for example, Stephen Poland's, when he goes to bed every night, he worries about housing, as he should. And I used to work with Stephen Poland's at Export Development. He was a junior economist. I was on the Mexico team. So I know Stephen. I know these guys. Mark Carney used to cover us at Goldman. So on an average week at CMHC, I would have three or four economists come in, and, and plus all the investment bankers. So I come from a very substantial background in housing. When I worked at RBC Dominion Securities, which formerly Pemberton, in Toronto on Bay Street. We were the number one real estate team. I worked on the municipal corporate finance team and the real estate team. 
We did projects for the Reichman brothers, Mark Burrow, Bramley. We did Canary Wharf. Uh, when my team moved on to uh, Gordon Capital, they did the Confederation Bridge and PEI. So I've been very active on all levels of finance, municipal, uh, provincial, federal. We need that experience at this point. As you know, it's not just individuals and families struggling to stay in the city. It's also businesses. And we're seeing a lot of businesses make the choice to leave. For sure. What strategies would you have to try and help the business community in Vancouver? Well, you have to look, first off, you have to look at the cap rates right now. What's happening? I just got off the phone actually earlier with a friend uh, who I grew up with uh, who has 35 years experience in commercial industrial. And... um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll use the example. Um, when I went and worked in Toronto and I came back to Vancouver, we had a huge depression here, recession. I would call it depression as well in the 80s, mid-80s. And the number one sign in Vancouver was for lease, okay, because the market crashed. And uh, so now we've got, the, we've got the alternative. So we basically have to understand how do we get those cap rates adjusted so that they're an attractive uh, and to investors, Okay, but more importantly, so that people that are looking to lease property to get in their business can do so. Amazons of the world and everything are there's a crowding out effect going on, and there's also look if you look at the chain stores, the big box stores, they're playing with way more cash. And the fundamental, more important uh, thing coming to this is the analysis of REITs. And if you're familiar with what a REIT is, a REIT is a real estate investment trust. So the nature of real estate has changed enormously through the securitization of real estate through the REIT process. So if you take allied properties, for example, like if you look just in this neighborhood, a lot of this property will be redowned. So we have to basically uh, look at the situation. We have to do a quick and dirty analysis and understanding of where we can basically pivot, okay, away from some of the things that have been done because we're, we're eroding our warehouse space, we're eroding our industrial space, and we've been replacing that with multi-use or condos. And what is going to be the next step, though? Because I, I think that the industrial space mm-hmm. is a very concerning one because essentially it's huge. You're, you're essentially pushing industry out to the suburbs, which are going to benefit from that as well. You're also going to make transportation much more difficult process. Exactly. Obviously, you want to get a dialogue going on here, but what do you think seems like low hanging fruit when it comes to addressing this big issue right now? Well, obviously, there's the tremendous amount of rezoning that's been happening. Okay. So that has been the tail wagging the dog. Okay, because um, it's frustrating because you, you have a housing, it's, it's we're in the perfect storm. And how we got into this perfect storm was foreseeable, okay? And unfortunately, what's happened in Ottawa, what's happened in Washington, what's happened is there's a drive to show employment numbers, happy figures, okay? It's regardless of what the income of those people are making, that doesn't matter. As long as someone's pushing a broom or doing something, then we've got employment numbers that look good. And so we are the, at the end result of this now, because now people have low income housing, businesses can't afford to base the first check the business has to write every month is to that rent, that lease, okay, and then to their employees. Okay, and if you've got absorbent prices for leasing, that factors into what you pay at the grocery store, what you pay for that pair of running shoes, whatever. The margin has to increase to absorb that cost. Okay, so that's the fundamental. So we have to basically the city has to basically come up with a, a strategy on what it wants to do with this existing land and what it wants to do with the uh, use of industrial and light warehouse space, okay? Because tech has come in now and it has absorbed a lot of that. So it's very hard for us to create a real economy moving forward. If I look at Whatcom County right across the border in Bellingham, it's a fantastic opportunity to, if I'm a business person, I'm not going to locate here. I'll locate in Whatcom County. Cheaper, 
on proximity to Seattle's closer and Vancouver. So we really have to address it. We're playing a lot of uh, machinations with uh, what we're doing in terms of our strategy. And our strategy really has to be drilled into and it has to be transparent. Okay, so at City Hall, I think that there's Vision has had a number of things just to make themselves look good. And obviously that has been one. So let's look at Hootsuite. Hootsuite got a deal from the city. Was that intuitive? I don't know. But it was, it's, a, it's a deal that probably shouldn't have happened. Many of the issues we're talking about are regional in nature. You right. mentioned your connections to Ottawa, conversations you've had provincially. Right. But I'm curious to know if elected, what kind of a leader you'd be within the region in terms of trying to tackle these issues? That's a fantastic uh, question because at the end of the day, um, those decisions, but we have to address the housing issue from a multilateral standpoint. And that's been the problem, okay, because the city has not been had any real help from the feds. Okay, and we had the BC Liberals uh, with Christy Clark um, running effectively a Ponzi scheme in some ways. Uh, with they just ignored so many issues. So we've got the um, putting out an op-ed coming up in the Vancouver Sun uh, on the rental issue. Um, so there's a number of things we have to immediately move on. The rental issue is number one. Okay, because so people are getting a 4.5 percent rent increase. That's going to cost them in some cases 100, 125 dollars, 75 dollars. And although it doesn't sound like a lot of money, that's your if your hydro cost is going up, at the end of the day, if you're not making more money, you're starting to analyze, I can't have children. I can't raise a family. So then we have to import our future population. As it stands right now, we are importing our current population. Because people, when I grew up here, I grew up in a fairly large size house, um, youngest of seven. Could my parents have done that? And to tell the true story, my parents came here from Scotland. I was born here. And we bought a $25,000 house. Uh, I think it was like 4,000 square feet. So those days, unfortunately, aren't coming back. But <laughs> well, regionally speaking, I think that transportation is also transportation a big issue. is a key issue. Yeah, I, I do wonder if people are pulling out their hair right now as they see mayoral candidate upon mayoral candidate in Surrey saying, "Oh yeah, let's think about uh, getting rid of LRT, going to SkyTrain." Right. What do you make of, I guess, this need for integrated transportation network across? Every single city across this region, uh, whether it is LRT, SkyTrain, highways that are moving well, roads, etc. It's about absorption. You know, you, you have transportation demands at, at certain intervals that are peak. Okay, and it's about how do you how do you manage that? So, for example, one of the key things that's come in, and one of the key things in the, in, in our future is, uh, you know, if you look at AI, artificial intelligence. Okay, so artificial intelligence is going to change our lives. Okay, and the city is not deploying the technology that should be driving a lot of these changes. Okay, we're in a sense we're we're walking we're not we're walking slowly into the future as opposed to arriving at the future. Okay, so in terms of understanding data and big data, if you look at the Translink card, that Translink card records it gives you all the data of when that individual that owns that card is transporting themselves. So if you look at the demand factors along those lines, you're going to find variables that you can adjust. Okay, so if you look at Andy Yan, some of the studies he's done, um, we really, so the, the Broadway line is going to be critical. So we'd have to look at the cost benefit of that line. So as it stands, we're going to Arbutus. And so Shauna Sylvester wants to take it out to UBC. Well, the demand falls off at Arbutus. And the future of Broadway, in my opinion, has to be brought up now because it's going to be densified and it's going to be all big box stores because the lease rates are going to jack. Okay, so there's going to be no more mom and pop Greek plays. Those are all being decimated. So that's where we have to address. We have to come to this. What kind of city does Vancouver want to be? 
do you want to be in a city that you moved to, that you moved to or lived here or grew up here? And do I want to be in a city that is highly congested with monstrous buildings, densified to, no, I don't. And so we have to work around that. To that point, what would you change about our current consultation process for things like this? Um, we have to raise the intelligence level and we have to take out the, the political sound bites. Political sound bites have been killing us, okay? Um, we have 40 people at City Hall and Gregor's communications team, 40 people. I think most people, if you've studied a little bit of this, that, you know, a little bit of practice, you'll be able to put out a press release, right? If you could write an essay, you'll probably be able to do your own press release. So why have they been spinning so much? I had a conversation in 2013, a very important conversation at a board of change meeting and Sadu Johnson and I, Jerry, and I have a hard time pronouncing Jerry's last name, Dubrovsnitsky. It's NY, <laughs> but I can't pronounce it properly. And I, I cornered Sadu and I said to Sadu, you know, the whole conversation was about sustainability and vision was a cult on sustainability. And I said, it's not about sustainability, it's about affordability. And we are in a crisis heading towards a mass crisis. Did not care. Okay. All he wanted to talk about was sustainability. He ignored the whole issue. Okay. Now here we are. So in terms of moving this forward, we have to basically have the dialogue with, you know, the, when needs to be a regional conversation, but not just Vancouver. We need to bring in the Seattle, San Francisco. San Francisco has huge issues. Los Angeles, people in San Diego are now moving to Tijuana and commuting. So this isn't just focused on us. You know, it's everywhere. And primarily, why is that? Because we've had low interest rates. We've taken out the risk in the market. We have the legalization of recreational marijuana coming Correct. up in just a few weeks. Exactly. If elected, how would you handle the illegal dispensaries that currently operate in the that's, city? That's an excellent question um, because I actually spoke at council about that on, and I spoke to the, I think it was the Board of Variance, was it? I spoke at a marijuana hearing and uh, another colleague of mine spoke with me and it was the 33 Georgia, don't to get the address exactly, it was an application mm. and uh, the application um really made no sense. I mean, I'm, I'm for uh, what uh, the legalization, um, perhaps having it a bit opaque would have been better because it opens up a whole can of worms. We've now got the wild west of an industry that's just rolling out. And when you roll out an entire industry at once, shit happens. Okay. And that's what's kind of coming down the pipe. So I've been involved on a number of marijuanas. There's a, the one, there's a marijuana store that's operating illegally on Penta Street on, in Chinatown. The city has uh, asked them to close, there's, there's a, uh, uh, but there's no enforcement. Okay, so we basically have to um, look at and say, okay, if you've got a license, the 300 meters from schools, I forget the, the exact nature of all, but there's a lot of legislation around that where you can put your store. Great. Sean, thanks again for joining us in studio. Best thanks. of luck with the campaign. Great. Thanks a lot. That's Sean Cassidy, Vancouver mayoral candidate running as an independent. And that's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at BIV.com where you can find more business news and definitely search out our mayoral debate as well as our other mayoral podcast interviews. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. 